0: This podcast is brought to you by Sport Nova Scotia and the Athlete Advisory Committee. Before we dive in, we would like to acknowledge that we're recording this podcast in Mi'kmaqi, the unceded and unsurrendered territory of the Mi'kmaq people. We are fortunate to work, play, And enjoy sport on their land and are grateful for all the contributions of all of its peoples. This includes African Nova Scotians whose histories, legacies, and contributions have enriched the part of Mi'kma'ki known as Nova Scotia for over 400 years. Welcome to the Sport Nova Scotia podcast. I'm your host, Sophie Nicholson, and this series highlights conversations about mental health by athletes for athletes. We sit down with experts to discuss various topics in mental health and how it relates to sport. Today, we will be talking about how to manage difficult conversations with your coach with Dr. Lori Deterbid, Kaylin Shaw, and Maddie McDonald.
1: Thanks for having me. Um, my name is Dr. Lori Deterbid. I am a professor at Dalhousie University teaching in sports psychology. Um, I'm also a mental performance consultant working with athletes of uh, various ages and um, athletic com- competitive levels.
2: And my name is Maddie McDonald. I play and coach rugby. Um, I currently work for the province in the sector of community sport recreation. And I just took a term position working with the North American Indigenous Games. So super excited to be here. Uh,
3: my name is Keoncha, pronounced sheher And I was an athlete on the uh, Nova Scotia freestyle ski high performance team in 2017 until 2019. And I competed at the 2019 Canada Winter Games in Red Deer, Alberta. From then on, I have retired from my athletic career and transitioned into coaching for the Wentworth All-Mountain Ski Program and uh, various other things.
0: Awesome. So my first question for all of you is, I just wanted to know what about this topic drew you in.
1: Yeah, I guess... Kind of goes back, my area of research and even personal sport participation has always been in kind of group sports or team sports. And one of the things that I found, uh, particularly in my consulting with small sports teams, or even larger sports teams, is that a lot of the challenges, a lot of the conflicts, a lot of the barriers to performance can often be rooted in miscommunication failure to communicate, misunderstandings, poor communication. And I, I think it's it's one of those things that um, we all know how we should be doing, but it's really hard to do well. So, you know, kind of common sense, but not very common action. That's how I would describe it. So I always like communicating about communication.
0: Laurie, could you tell us a little bit about what you do and what your role is as a mental health professional in the sport world?
1: Yeah. So my expertise is in mental performance consultants. Just to kind of give a brief overview of scope of practice. I, I'm, I'm not a clinician. I'm not a psychologist. I, I'm an educational mental performance consultant, meaning that my focus is on performance and not on necessarily mental health or, or clinical issues. I'm trained to recognize and refer out when needed, but not trained to assess, diagnose, or treat any mental health issues or, or challenges. So my, my role is a lot to do with helping athletes, coaches, and teams in mental performance skills, or which can include well-being skills, general well-being. Um, but really aims to better performance, both in training and in competition, and help teams coaches athletes better work together in turn leading to greater joy satisfaction and participation which then in turn leads to usually better performance
2: Maddie or Kaylin have either of you ever worked with a mental performance consultant before no I haven't yeah I think it's super cool what you're doing but I've never met anyone in this uh, sector whatsoever so it's pretty cool
3: I have worked with a mental health performance coach before but I think, honestly, everything that Lori just talked about is super cool. Everyone has their own unique perspectives. Honestly, mental health coaches are just as important, if not more important, than physical health coaches, in my opinion, and in my experience in sport.
0: So my question from before, what drew you to this topic? Was there anything, any experience in particular that you thought of when this topic was presented to you? Could you tell us a little bit about that?
2: Um, for me, player coach communication is one of, if not the most important part of sporting. Especially since I started coaching. It's you know, the way that I communicate with my athletes, the way they communicate with me, it makes or breaks the practice, the games, and especially with our high dropout rates, with women especially in our youth, it's super important to make sure that you're just communicating properly with each other. Tone is everything, the way that you the way that you express yourself, it all makes or breaks the experience. So Yeah, that's what really drew me to this topic was just how important it is.
3: Yeah, just to add on to what Maddie said, I completely agree with everything she just said. What drew me to this topic was my experience as an athlete and miscommunication with my coaches and other sporting representatives. And just wanting to spread more awareness to the current generation of athletes that miscommunication does happen in sport and in every aspect of life. But there are ways to make it better and, I guess, in a sense, fix it, that you don't have to continue living in this gray area of miscommunication or, oh, I don't know if what I'm doing is right or wrong or, oh, I have these issues with my coach. So promoting this idea of being comfortable with the uncomfortable of this big realm of communication and hopefully creating a safer sporting environment because of
2: that. And especially like admitting when there's been a miscommunication. That's one thing that I found is huge is that as a coach, mm-hmm. especially if I feel that I've messed up, just admitting and say, look, team, I'm really sorry I did this. And same with on the other side, if your athletes feel comfortable enough with you to say, hey, look, I'm sorry that I used the tone that I did. That's I feel that's how we're going to do better going forward.
0: Maddie and Kaylin, are either of you comfortable sharing an experience as an athlete where you felt like there was a hard conversation or a
2: miscommunication with a coach? So I had a situation, it was a while ago now, and I find just on a personal level, whether it's a good thing or a bad thing, when I see something wrong, I say something. So there is an... An example that I have was there was a rule made to make the sport of rugby a bit safer. There's a bit of favoritism going on in the team, which I super don't resonate with. And so I decided to say something because the rule was being... The rule was more or less the favorites of the team. They were allowed to go against what this rule was. And so I said something to my coach. I said, look, and I made it as professional as I could and said, I really don't think that this should be happening. It's one thing to have a favorite, it's a different thing to actually actively have favoritism going on. And more or less, I was met with, well, I'm the coach and the coach makes decisions, so here it is. But yeah, so it's oh, that's always sad at the back of my mind, especially now that I am a coach, of just what I would have done in that situation. And if we were to do that situation again, what I could have done better as a player and yeah just what went wrong that i wasn't able to get to where i wanted with that conversation
0: how, how did you feel in that moment when you had to bring it up like what was kind of going through your mind what was the process before during and after that as an
2: athlete i mean definitely that like tight like oh my goodness i can't breathe you know you get like the sweats of ah right before <laughs> you go into conversation like oh, is it really worth going into this but yeah just overall nervous and not really knowing what the outcome was going to be and not really knowing if I knew that I was stepping out of line because, you know, I was the player and I knew that at the end of the day, the coach was right. It was her decision. Um, But for me, it was like an ethical matter that I needed to bring up. And afterwards, you know, I was definitely angry with the outcome, but I took a step back to what I needed to do. And just going forwards, unfortunately, really changed my view of this coach. And before that, you know, I really looked up to them and... Yeah, so it was a really unfortunate situation, but I am glad that I had that conversation because going forwards, now I know that I can have more difficult conversations because I've had that one.
3: Kaylin, how about you? There were a few points during my athletic career where I had many opportunities to speak up and say something, but I didn't. So I retired from my athletic career when I was 17. So most of the experiences I encountered with like some miscommunication with coaches or just like. Places where I should have said something, I was probably 15 or 16, so I wasn't super comfortable or confident in myself as a person, but also I didn't feel like I had a proper voice, if that makes sense, or to like have an opinion or to be able to say something to this adult figure, like, hey, something's wrong, because I was in a mindset of, oh, they're my coach, they know what's best even though in hindsight, I now know that they did not know everything that was, quote unquote, best um, for all athletes. One specific situation involved the other female athlete that was on the team. She was two years younger than me, and she got hurt during one of our training competitions, or training for a competition, sorry. And we went to a physiotherapist just to like give a diagnosis, like what it looked like. The physiotherapist wrote a note saying that she had to sit out of training for the next day and then she'd be fine for the rest of the week. But she just really needed to take that one day of rest to make sure that her injury didn't get worse. Mind you, again, this is a minor accompanying a minor to a medical appointment. So there's already a red flag there. No coaches were present. And then on top of that, when we brought the note to our coaches, they essentially just looked at it. One of them actually crumpled it up and threw it away. And they just looked at us and said, So you're telling me that you got a doctor's note to get out of the training, which was not the response that we were expecting. We both looked at them and said, No, like we're not trying to get out of training. This is just what they said. We actually fought them on this a little bit and they said, No, like for your well being and your well being in mind, don't do it. But the coaches basically just brushed us off and said, No, go back, tell them that you're training tomorrow, regardless and get whatever taping or treatment you need overnight, and basically suck it up. So I never said anything to them. I wish I did, but I didn't know where to start. I knew ethically and for this other athlete's well-being, it was wrong, and I should have said something. And her parents and my parents knew what was going on, but they didn't say anything to the coaches because they didn't know where to start, and nothing was done since then because none of us spoke up so i honestly think that athlete coach communication on any level is very important but also just communication in general from any sporting representative and i know it's a difficult thing to do but in that particular scenario it would have potentially made it better or at least like let the coaches know that that was not acceptable behavior and that it wouldn't be tolerated anymore.
0: Wow. Lori, I can see you nodding your head over there. Is there anything that you'd like to say or to add on to that before I kind of get into the next little. Oh, there's so much. Next few questions. Yeah. I'd love to hear your thoughts on on all of this. Just like.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the first thing to Kaylin's point again is, is, um, uh, yeah, there's just so much that I'm trying to organize my thoughts. You know, and it comes down to it like looking back, probably everybody in that scenario would do something different. And that's what I was trying to get at. It's common sense is not always so common, right? And I don't know the details of the situation. My first inclination would have would be like that physiotherapist probably is doing the best that they could and trying to communicate, but, you know, going back, could they have communicated directly with the coach? Could that have, have been something where you can advocate for your athletes who happen to be minors now if that physiotherapist doesn't know the coaches or assumes the coaches are going to make the right call with that information then why wouldn't you just kind of send an out hey this athlete so again un- you know understanding being clear of the details and the context of the situation one of the things that the, the piece of advice that I give a lot of athletes when they're in these types of situations where like they think, well, I want to say something to my coach, but I know that the coach is not going to listen, right? So I get I get that question a lot. How do I say this to the coach? or is it worth talking to the coach? Because, you know, there's no point in me saying anything. The, co- the coach is gonna brush me off and, and whatnot? And I always say, well, you know, you got you gotta weigh your risk and reward, but there's ways to saying things and communicating that reduce the likelihood of the coach to come back and answer. Well, it's, I'm the coach, like, like you had said, Maddie, like, well, I'm the coach, this is my call type of thing. And that's fair. And you know what, in the right context, and communicated the right way, that's a fair answer. But what I've been taught myself, and what I try to convey to athletes is to try to avoid communicating in a way that almost expresses opinion. So avoiding things like saying, I think this rule change is unethical and unfair, right? So if you word it that way, that comes off as your opinion, right? And then it just becomes an athlete's opinion versus coach opinion. And who's gonna win that? The coach. (laughs) Right? But you can convey that exact same message by using facts. And what I tell athletes is to construct their sentences with things like, I see, I hear, or I feel. Nobody can can contest what you see. Nobody can contest what you hear. And nobody, whether they want to or not, or they try to, can contest how you feel, right? So those are facts. So I'm going to use your example, Maddie, um, in in uh, kind of just changing the wording of it all. If you were to say, I think this is unfair, another way to kind of rewrite that sentence is, this is what I'm seeing in practice. Mm -hmm. Provide examples, provide facts, provide evidence. This is what I'm seeing, and this is what I'm hearing. So you're providing, they can't, you know, you present that to anybody, coach, parent, sibling, teammate, they have a hard time disputing that, right? Right, that's what happened, okay. And this is how it makes me feel. This is how it makes others of us feel. Mm -hmm. And who knows? The coach might come back and say, fine, yeah, still my call. And then at least it's on them. They know how you feel, and they're still making that decision. And then you're almost, I would say, absolved of responsibility. But you've then communicated evidence and expressed how it makes you feel as an athlete. And then that becomes the responsibility of the coach to own what they've done. If I see you guys not nodding heads. That, that makes sense, right? So it's, it, you're communicating the exact same thing. You're just doing it in a way that minimizes the, well, I think this there, and I'm the coach, I'm the leader, therefore I'm right. Right? So, um, Kaelin, your example, if, and, and this is such a hard position, and I don't, you know, again, communic- effective communication is really, really tough. It's it, really uncomfortable, and I certainly wouldn't want to minimize the challenge that it would be for a 15, 16-year-old athlete to confront their coach in terms of an injury. But if we use that example of saying, okay, you, you know, I'm get, so what you're saying, I'm giving you a note from a health professional, and what I'm hearing you say to me is that the health professional's opinion doesn't matter. So imagine if you were to put yourself in that position, what does a coach say in that, in that position? Okay, so what I'm, you could just say out of clarity, I'm hearing you say that the health professional's opinion doesn't matter and you're asking me to train anyways that's what I'm hearing so if you communicated that if you were to say something that way then how does the coach respond to that it, it gets a lot harder to, to to as a coach to answer that yeah and Maddie right. as you as a coach if somebody were to come to say me like so you're you know you're telling me that what I'm hearing is that your opinion on this is more important than the health professional <laughs> right and it's like oh okay so that that's a bit more i'm going to say carries a bit more weight right so again going back to using facts nobody can contest what you see i mean you got to you got to be honest with what you see and not you know just be be honest in what you're seeing using actual examples repeat exactly what they're saying and say, This is what I'm hearing and this is what I'm feeling. Nobody can contest how what you feel. And if you're honest and present it that way, in a non, you know, try to limit confrontational tone and like you said, like the tone is is really important, but just say this is this is what I'm hearing, this is what I'm seeing, this is how I feel. Nobody can go against that. If you start a sense like, well I think, then that just invites another opinion and then mm-hmm. it just becomes a headbutt of opinion.
2: Well, and I really like the way that you laid it out. Um, Yesterday I was going through the messages that I sent with my coach, just to make sure that I have my facts, right? Yeah. And even my perception of how that conversation went compared to, you know, 27-year-old Maddie looking at how the conversation went. I was like, oh, Matt. It's like, you know, I definitely, I use those I think this, I think that. Mm -hmm. And I really thought that, and maybe I was in the right, maybe I wasn't in the right. But in that moment, yeah, like I absolutely, the way that I expressed my opinion was waiting for those like head knuckling or head bob you know what i'm trying to yeah, say yeah yeah but yeah and you know retrospect if i had of approached it a different way if i had of used a different tone in that conversation then the outcome may have been might have been the same or it might have been completely different but yeah, yeah i'm definitely going to use that going forwards yeah. so of not
1: i think this yeah in <laughs> so. <and>, you know <laughs> even in t- today's society with with social media everybody has an opinion, mm-hmm. right? So. And everybody who, how strongly they believe in their opinion does not reflect how accurate it is, in fact, it is. But the stronger we believe in our opinion, the louder we get and the more we dig our heels in doesn't mean that we're any right. And if we have differing opinions, it just, everything gets lost.
0: Mm -hmm. I feel like that needs to be said louder for all of
1: the people (laughs) in the back. Say it again for those in the back. Yeah. (laughs) no matter how strongly you believe in your opinion doesn't mean that it's right yeah right so that's why if you present facts if you present evidence then it no longer becomes an opinion mm-hmm. and if you if if somebody wants to contest that fact say okay well let's say well, a hypothetical situation an athlete says well i heard you yell this And they use the exact words. And the coach says, I did yell that. It allows to give pause and say, I said that because. And then that allows for an introduction to a conversation that can clarify meaning and context, right? You know, and and I didn't say that. Well, if there's other people around who heard it, and the coach still, or I, I keep saying coach, but anybody says, I didn't say that, well, what did you say Mm -hmm. tell us what you did you you thought you said and what did you mean and then you can have that conversation of like i meant to say this and you say well that's not how the message was received and there's two parts to communication the message that's being sent and how it's being received and if they don't match up well how it's being received is going to be how it impacts everybody's feelings and how it's going to impact their perceptions and how it's gonna impact their behaviors and their their beliefs and their thoughts about the message that's being sent by the person and that person themselves. So what was the intent is irrelevant, mm-hmm. right? It's how it's communicated. So it, it at least offers the opportunity to have a greater conversation of intent and clarification. And if coaches, well, I didn't mean it that way, then say, okay, well, If you didn't mean it that way, how did you mean it? Okay. And then the uh, receiving person, you say, well, if you want to get that out of me, this could be a different way to say it. That's actually going to get the behavior that you're looking for. Mm -hmm. Right. So it's so complicated. It's so, it's so simple, but so complicated and just has the, we know that just the change in tone, change in word can make such a difference. Oh, yeah. Just want to.
0: Give people a minute to process all of that. (laughs) Kaylin, did you have anything to add or any thoughts, feelings, questions, or comments?
3: I feel like everything has been summarized so nicely by Lori. I don't want (laughs) to add anything else to
2: it. Yeah, she's good at this, eh? (laughs) Yeah. Lori, I do have a question. Am I allowed to ask questions? Yeah, go ahead. Okay. Okay. So I had a situation as a coach, and I had to have a difficult conversation with an athlete. So my assistant and I, it was a very open area. We were in the gym. It was after practice. There was even a janitor in the gym because, you know, like, safe space. Mm -hmm. So it was a two-on-one conversation. And unfortunately, the way that the athlete perceived what we were saying was completely different from what we wanted to Mm -hmm. say. And how that athlete voiced it to their parent was, unfortunately, Mm -hmm. just words got changed and then it came back to me. And it was, you know, the things that that, this athlete told their parent was the exact opposite of what I had Mm -hmm. said. So going forwards, how would you suggest having those, you know, we have to have those difficult conversations. Mm-hmm. What would be your best like method of conversation there or communication?
1: Yeah, that, that's so tricky because how we receive feedback is, is very much determined by individual characteristics. And I, I, I keep thinking of a specific example when that's just like this. So I remember being in grad school and practicing presentations for, for conferences and um, my peer, my fellow student was practicing her presentation for a big conference and her supervisor gave her feedback. And I was like, oh, that's, that's great feedback. And not mean, not like, like just like maybe on this slide do this, maybe like just perceived like this is how I'm going to help you type of thing. And I, I, was, I was on this presentation as well. I just wasn't doing the presentation. And so when she was done, she was like, I was like, oh, that was really good and everything. And she came, to, she was almost in tears. And Aww. she was like, oh, my God, he ripped it apart and everything. And I, and I kind of looked around to other people and was like, wait, were we in the same room? Because yeah. <laughs> I actually thought that was really good. One, the presentation was really good. And the feedback was actually really good. And he didn't seem mean at all in my perception. Mm -hmm. And in that moment, I had like one of those light bulb moments, like, oh my God, we were in the same room. We heard the same thing perceived completely different Mm -hmm. from one another. So all that being said, it is a tricky, it is a tricky situation. Now, if you, if you know the athlete well enough that you think, okay, their perception, their You know, whether it's a self-esteem, a confidence issue, or they might have other things going on in their lives and something that maybe has some history or, or whatnot. So you have an idea that they might not take this really well. You could have the parent there with them. You could have one of the other teammates or ask them, hey, do you want somebody here? We need to talk. Just want to give you an opportunity if somebody's already defensive and then they're in a situation where they know they're going to get bad feedback or perceived negative feedback, they're already kind of like defense mode, right? Mm-hmm. Like that cat, arched back, yeah. <laughs> hair spiked up on, on their whole uh, their whole body, right? The other, you know, trying to provide a safe space. The the other approach that can be taken is to at, instead of giving statements is asking questions. So if you could provide the same feedback but with asking questions. So hypothetically if this if you're giving feedback to an athlete that they're not pulling their weight in practice, therefore you know they're not paying attention or whatnot, and that's going to affect their playing time. Let's say that's hypothetical situation. You could have a conversation and say, so you know we we do you have an idea of what we're going to talk about today? And they're like, no. Okay. You say, okay, so do you notice the feedback that we're giving you in practice? What do you notice about the feedback we're giving you in practice, right? And, and you might assume that, I don't know, whatever. Or you say, well, you know, we're actually telling you a lot of times to pay attention. Or they might say, yeah, you're telling me to kind of pick it up or, or do something or focus. And you say, well, is there a reason why that we're constantly doing this? So then you're kind of guiding them in... By asking questions, they're the ones that are essentially giving themselves feedback, right? Mm-hmm. So you know what you want to say. It's almost having the restraint on the side, say, I'm gonna mm-hmm. ask you these questions and say, okay, well yeah. So do you think that you're meeting our expectations in practice? Probably not. So what do you what do you think that corresponds to in playing time? And notice my my tone. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying, well, what do you think that corresponds to playing time It's very different than, well, you know, how do you think that that's going to correspond in playing time? Mm, Two very different sentences with the exact same words. One is going to be super defensive reaction and one might be a reflective answer, right? I also I should have prefaced this no matter if you are an expert in communication and say all the right things all the time does not mean that the people you're communicating with are going to respond correctly absolutely. right so communication is a personal responsibility and you know we can only do what we can do so you could do all the right things and the receiving of the message might still not go well and we just have to be we have to be okay with that and it's not a bad idea to have other people kind of witnessing it either. Just to, yeah. Right? Because in thinking cover. back to my friend, if she, if she would have been the only person in that room and she's like, oh, no, my supervisor ripped me apart, then if I wasn't there, I'd be like, oh, man, he's so mean. Mm-hmm. But I was there and I was like, no, he was fine. Right? Yeah. No. So it's tricky. But it, it, coming back to it, if you can ask questions in a very safe, comfortable way, then it becomes a reflective thing as appo- on the receiving end, as opposed to, I need to defend myself. And coming back to the evidence, well, this is what I'm seeing in practice. This is what I'm hearing in practice. Can they refute that evidence? As opposed to, I don't think you're working hard enough in practice, versus I, what I'm seeing in practice is when you're lining up You're not really looking at everything else. You're in your phone. This is when I've seen you're on your phone. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And then what are they going to say?
2: Yeah, no, you're right. That was great. Thank you. Yeah. I have
0: a question kind of to follow that up, following everything else up. After hearing Kaylin's story in particular, where we have two athletes, two very young athletes going to a coach with a note from a healthcare professional and then it being not taken seriously and turned away. Is there an expectation or should there be an expectation that athletes should have on their coaches when having this kind of communication? I know just now, like you were helping Manny figure out how to have a certain kind of conversation with, with an athlete for a specific situation. But more generally, should there be an expectation on coaches that athletes should have? Like if they wanted to bring an issue up or if they had something to bring to the coach, because that situation with Kayla that that was like that was really hard that was really hard to hear and and to listen to and I can't imagine what it would have been like to go through
1: yeah and I mean Mm -hmm. not prioritizing welfare and going against a health professional's opinion definitely is classified would be classified as maltreatment I think you know if you look at the definition of maltreatment maltreatment, unsafe it's it's right (laughs) in there it's pretty clear so, you know, yes, we we should have an expectation that our coaches are going to respect the opinion, one, of healthcare professionals, and also respect the voice of athletes to say when they're hurt. So to believe them when they're hurt, especially if they've gone to a healthcare professional and have the evidence supported by a healthcare professional. So you change that scenario, and if that athlete would have gone to a healthcare professional, and said no there's nothing structurally wrong if this person keeps training it's not going to make it worse if that was the message from the healthcare professional the appropriate response from a coach in that moment is saying okay so the the physio says you're good to go how do you feel right how do you feel about it because there's also at risk if, if an athlete doesn't still you know has the support saying you can go and compete or train but it's like oh i'm scared I, I don't feel comfortable, I'm not confident, it's still sore. Especially in a high risk sport. If you're going down, you know, if you're trying a new trick or whatnot, and you're not fully committed to it because you're scared, you're actually putting yourself at greater risk. And that's not just for high-risk sports, that's for for most sports, right? If you're unsure about how your shoulder's gonna hold up in a corner of a hockey game and you don't go in, you actually probably might have a greater likelihood of getting hurt. Mm-hmm. Any hesitation, right? So the coach in that moment, an appropriate response would be like, okay, well, we've got the all clear from the physio, but how do you feel about it? Do you need a minute? We can kind of take a couple steps back and go back slowly into it. What do you want? And, you know, I would often have probably some pushback from some coaches saying, yeah, but there's a competition in two days. Okay, great. So if you explain that and say, look, there's a competition in two days to be ready for that competition. This is what I think we need. But it's, up, it's still up to the athlete. You can lay out what needs to be done in terms of expectations and still leave it up to the athlete and provide that supportive environment say, OK, if you're not, if you're not cool with this, we can take a couple steps back and kind of gradually build confidence so you, know, you don't go out and try the new trick right away. You go up and maybe do something that you're really comfortable with for a couple of tries, and then you go back into kind of the, the more risky stuff.
0: Kaylin, now that you've taken a bit of a different direction in the sport and your coaching, how do you look back on that situation now? Now that you've had more experience, you've left the sport, you've started coaching.
3: Honestly, looking back at that situation, I understand now that I'm older, like I understand both my perspective as the 15, 16 year old of why I didn't say anything. But I also am. Um, more angry I guess with my coach's response now that I know like from a coaching point of view what should have happened or at least what a better more healthy response should have been I still don't fully understand why they responded in the way that they responded but I also knowing more so their personality and their coaching style and just like from what I know of them as a coach currently and in the past if I had said something or if the athlete had said something or anyone had said something that knew what was going on i don't think the response would have been different calling them out with any of the advice lori had just given it might have made them think or like think a little bit more as to what they were saying but they probably would have just gone right into defense mode like oh you're going against what I'm saying do you really think that's a smart decision maybe not to that extent Mm -hmm. but like that kind of idea of okay I was just called out but instead of admitting I'm wrong I'm just going to defend why I'm doing this Mm -hmm. and a lot of the experiences we had uh, me and this other female athlete it was just two of us in this very male-dominated sport and coaching female athletes was still a relatively new thing So, we were already used to not being treated the same as the boys. For the male athletes, if they were told to go do something, they would just do it. Versus if we were told to do the exact same thing, we would question why. So, already there is that difference of communication in coaching styles and in communication as a whole. So, just going back to the situation, if it were one of the guys who had been there and said, Hey, I'm hurt, or Hey, my friend here is hurt. I think that the situation would have been different, or the if the coach had said the exact same thing, like, oh, just rub it off, you'll be fine, they more or less would have said, okay, no questions asked. But then because again, going back to that female response of, but why? I feel like because we questioned them, they were kind of taking it back. But then instead of like pausing and thinking, they retaliated which now from this coaching standpoint, that's not what you're supposed to do. If I were the coach and these were my athletes, instead of me being the athlete, I would have asked them, as to Lori's point, like how they were feeling, what they thought was best for them. And evidently, if a health professional is giving this advice, they have reason to do so. They're not just going to be writing notes and giving them out here and there, like, oh, you get a free pass to skip training. You get a free pass to skip training. Like, that's not how that works. (laughs) in the most long form answer possible I wish that if I were the coach in that situation I would have handled it differently but again like I don't know what I don't know and I hope that any athlete I have doesn't get injured to that degree I I just hope that it could have gone differently
1: can I just make a quick a quick comment Kaelin and it comes from what you said you know I feel this idea of feeling guilty that you didn't say anything As a 15 or 16-year-old, it is never the responsibility of a minor to speak up. It is always the responsibility of the adult to provide a safe environment so that it allows the minor to feel safe to speak up. So if you think of why you didn't speak up, it's from what I'm hearing is because you didn't feel safe to do so. So there should be no guilt in that because that responsibility lies on the adults in the room, that they didn't make you feel safe enough that you can speak up, and therefore feel no guilt whatsoever of not saying anything, because that responsibility is not yours.
3: Yeah, I guess so. I mean, I understand what you're saying,
1: and it makes sense.
3: Mm-hmm. It's just that's a difficult how you feel. process. Yeah, that, and that's, <laughs> yeah. that's okay.
1: And that's okay. I just hope we understand that it it is a coach's responsibility or the adult's responsibility to create an environment that athletes, minors or adults, no matter their age, should feel at least comfortable to say something. And if there's this environment of fear or culture of like, I'm the boss and nobody goes against what I say type of thing, then that's on the leader of that culture. That's not necessarily the, the responsibility of the other people who are contemplating speaking up.
0: That was a really good answer. Thank you for bringing that up, Lori. Maddie and Kaylin, these experiences that you've had as athletes, has that affected the way that you approach coaching your own athletes now?
2: Oh, absolutely. Yeah. For me as a coach, communication is 100% the most important part of who I am as a coach and, you know, all these experiences. Obviously, we just say, like, Kaylin and I only said a couple of examples that we had. Like, there's a bunch more. We all have them (laughs) if we've been in sport. And, yeah, like, even when I'm in the middle of a conversation with some of my athletes or if I'm in front of them explaining something, it's always in the back of my mind of, like, how is this coming across? What tone are you using? And afterwards, I'll have, like, a little bit of a reflection period, especially if there was some type of conflict at that practice or that game, And I'll sit myself down and kind of say, like, okay, what do I think I could do better going forwards? What do I think went well? And, like, that all stems from how I felt as an athlete. So,
3: Yeah, I agree with Maddie's point.
2: When I transitioned
3: into coaching, communication was definitely, like, one of my top priorities, but also safety and inclusivity in general, communication and safety go hand in hand. Like if you don't have clear communication, you can't have a safe environment mm-hmm. or like at least not have like purely safe environment. It might come across as semi-safe, but it won't be fully safe if the communication isn't there. So one thing I decided for myself was that anytime I said something or did something, leading a group, doing some activity or some exercise or some training regime, I had to understand fully why I was getting them to do it because if someone were to ask why I wanted to make sure that I had a good answer and not just say I don't know or because I'm the coach because Mm -hmm. I was given that answer a lot and that made me frustrated as an athlete to not understand fully why I was doing something Mm -hmm. and just being told oh you're doing it because I said so and even now as like an almost 20 year old whenever someone regardless of whatever age they are just says oh because I said so I'm a little bit more stubborn now so (laughs) I'll just say I'm not doing it if you don't give me an actual answer (laughs) Um, but at like 15 16 I just say oh okay and I'd like sulk away and like just suck it up and do it but I made it very clear to my athletes like if you don't agree with what I'm doing or what I'm saying say something tell me and I tell this to them at like the first day of the season right after introducing myself like hi I'm Kaylin I'm your coach It goes right into if there's something wrong or you don't like how I'm doing something, tell me either in the group or like pull me aside or tell your parents and tell me later. Like, I just want to make sure that you're having fun and that you feel safe. Then we can worry about like the actual logistics of the sport later. Mm -hmm. Because if again, back to my like one of my original points, an athlete's mental health is just as important, if not more important than their physical health. Mm -hmm. Because if you have the physical ability, that's great. But if you're not confident in yourself or you don't feel safe mentally, emotionally, socially, then you're not going to be the best version of yourself that you can be. Because there will always be some sort of mental barrier preventing the rest of your physical skills from keeping up.
0: Thank you. Those are both really, really good answers. And also really encouraging to hear that there are folks like you guys going into coaching now and with those approaches and with that mindset. that's all the time we have for today i'd like to thank laurie kaylin and maddie for joining me tune in to next week's episode where i'll be speaking with dr gretchen kerr from the university of toronto on how to recognize and deal with psychological maltreatment thanks for listening